Hello, hello, and welcome to another edition of Breakdown with the American Legislative Exchange Council. I'm Lars Staleside, and with me today is the Energy, Environment, and Agriculture Task Force Director, Joe Trotter. And Joe's got something new, the Energy Affordability Report, which is a state-by-state inspection of what they're doing with their energy prices, energy consumption, energy production, the whole nine yards. The whole nine yards. And so this is the third edition. Uh, we have released two previous editions. Uh, and it's got three chapters where it breaks down everything that, that basically is happening in the states in terms of energy. So chapter one focuses specifically on electricity prices. It takes a look at you know how much is it going to cost to go ahead and power your home or charge your car or whatever else might be connected to the grid. It also, within there, takes a look at the various government mandates, policies, and and everything else in addition to the prices to see what works and what doesn't for keeping prices low. Because a lot of states have their own way of doing things. Like Texas, for instance, is on their own grid. They're not locked up to the rest of the United States. And I'd assume that there are other states that have their own little quirks and eccentricities as well when it comes to energy production. They do. And there are three main things that we're looking at here, and that is renewable portfolio standards, uh, whether or not you have a uh, state mandated net metering, which has to do with, you know, whether you have a solar panel or, or wind on your property and if that's sold back to the grid and at what prices. And then finally, we deal with essentially carbon taxes, the regional greenhouse gas initiative or, say, California's cap and trade program. So we take a look at those three big policy items. They're all things that are under the control of the state legislature. Okay. They can go ahead and act a law and state legislators to, to go ahead and see what they can do, either what they're doing right and why their electricity prices are low, or what they're doing to increase the cost of their constituencies. Now, this is just me, and I can be a little negative when it comes to these sort of things, but... I would assume that the states that have a little bit more by way of regulation and authorizations and whatnot, they're probably going to be running their prices up more than the other states. They are. If you take a look at the top 10 uh, states in the nation in terms of electricity prices, you have uh, a couple, you know, two outliers because they're not part of the continental United States, you Hawaii and Alaska, they have high prices. And that's understandable. They are not connected to the immediate grids. But then you have California, Massachusetts, Rhode Island, Connecticut, New Hampshire, Vermont, New York, and New Jersey. I, I'm sure it will be overwhelmingly shocking that basically everyone on that list, it, uh, at least in the continental United States, has a strong renewable portfolio standard, which basically says you have to generate X amount of electricity using their preferred like wind, solar, hydro. Uh, so they they all have those mandates. Then they all have some version of state mandated net metering. So the utility companies are forced to pay you for any electricity on your, your home solar system. Now it might be cynicism, but experience suggests to me that the states that have more mandates and regulations when it comes to the production and consumption of energy, their residents are probably paying a heck of a lot higher prices. They are. Now, Hawaii and Alaska are the two most expensive states in the nation, and for good reason. They're not part of the continental United States, not part of the lower 48, 
And so they're sort of their own entities working off their own problems. Now, Hawaii does have a number of restrictions, and we've talked about the various problems with the Hawaiian system before. And, and they have to ship everything in. They have to ship everything in. And uh, Alaska is also its, its own, own beast in terms of, of getting goods and electricity up there. But then when you have the, the next highest priced, it is California, Massachusetts, Rhode Island, Connecticut, New Hampshire, Vermont, New York, and New Jersey. And I am sure you will be overwhelmingly shocked, shocked, I tell you, to find out that those states have high, high mandates for renewable portfolio standards. They have uh, state-mandated net metering, and, and pretty much all of them are involved in some way, shape, or form on a carbon tax scheme. You have the Regional Greenhouse Gas Initiative for the Northeast states. California has its own carbon credit system, and that just makes the cost of energy skyrocket. And those are all things that state legislators could go ahead and deal with. They can go ahead, put in a bill and say, hey, you know, we respect your need to power your homes and have heat during the winter. And we've got a cold winter coming. So it would be nice if those states went ahead and took some some pity on the people that they're there to represent. Now, this is sort of surprising, at least for a, a child of the 80s like I am. That, that's when I going to high school, going to college in the 90s and all that. And I, the main thing that pops up there was the one Beverly Hills Cop movie out there in California. And the last scene, the last big scene, they're out there and there are all those little oil wells, those derricks just going and California's producing oil. California's producing all sorts of energy. And there's still the one, two, three, the third highest in prices. Well, I mean... Alaska's on there too, and they they produce a whole bunch as well. But, but part of that is, and that sort of brings us into chapters two and three of the report, they are producing oil, but, and chapter two and three, they we are also looking at gas prices and diesel prices. So the cost of, of the fuels needed to make sure that you get from point A to point B, or your goods get from, you know, the fields to the market, they are producing it, but California has pretty much, California and also Hawaii, have some of the highest gas prices in the nation. California is the highest gas cost in the nation. Now, to some extent with California, that is a little bit understandable. Their natural topography and just the way the earth is shaped in that area makes California extremely prone to pollution. That's why they had the smog problems for, for many decades. It's because the emissions there don't get the benefit of being pushed out to sea or another area by the atmosphere. There's the, the winds just Los Angeles. Okay. So California has a very high emission standard for cars because a, a lot of that pollution was coming from cars. And so they have a much more highly refined gasoline that costs significantly more than it does in the rest of the country, specifically to deal with their own local state and local problem. And for them, it makes sense. Now, what's completely insane is that a bunch of other states 
when some people who are on the other side of the issue of this decided to think ahead, they tied their own emission standards to the California Air Resource Board's emission standards. Now, the, the, the agency is called CARB. Mm-hmm. CARB has gotten significantly more activists. It's not just, you know, looking out for the best. They have activists. They have an interesting crew of commissioners on there that are going ahead and setting these standards. And then you have places like where we're at now in Virginia. Virginia, a few years back, went ahead and passed a law saying we will follow whatever California's emission standards are. Now, again, really, California's emission standards make some sense in California. For California. They make absolutely no sense here in Virginia. We do not have the same problems. The, the geology is simply different. The state layout is different. We are not on the Pacific coast in a, <laughs> in a valley, essentially. So well, I feel that cynicism coming back again, <laughs> where it's not necessarily that this is something that's good and make sense for the Virginia here, but it's more about something that provides for a little political posturing, and or we're going to stake a virtuous stand here and not necessarily would do what's best for the people. Well, it was a sneaky way of making sure that Democratic regulators could go ahead and still control Virginia's emission standards long after the legislature wound up not having the Democratic supermajority. Okay, so that's some of the things that they're doing wrong in some of those other places. What are they doing right? Who are our top five? Our top five cheapest electricity in the nation is Idaho, Wyoming, Utah, Oklahoma, and Nevada. Idaho. Idaho's number one. Idaho's number one. All the potatoes? Let, let me put it this way. They're paying a little over eight cents per kilowatt hour. That is, that's almost nothing. It's a little higher than it was last year, but. As opposed to what are they paying in say a California or the other when it comes to the kilowatt hour? I I, want to make sure I'm getting this completely correct. Okay. Because eight cents a kilowatt doesn't sound like much at all. Yeah. California is paying close to 20 cents. Ooh, so <laughs> Alaska is paying twenty cents. Hawaii is paying thirty cents. Wow! Yes, you can't afford to turn the lights on in Hawaii. Uh, just imagine when you might need an air conditioning there. Mm, that would be a little trouble. So, what is uh, Idaho, Wyoming, and Utah? What are they doing right? What they're doing right is they generally have, if they have renewable portfolio standards, they are voluntary. That means the legislature went ahead and said, "Hey." We'd like it if you do it, but there's no mandate to do it. So it's completely voluntary. And when it is voluntary, you'll actually find that a lot of these states, their power producers do find a way to economically do it. They, I mean, it just when you let the tell the free market kind of what you want it to do and not mandate how you do it and not say you have to do it, it's amazing how they'll find a way to go ahead and get it done. So that's one way. Then state-mandated net metering, some of them do have it, some of them don't. But but part of the, the differences between the different types of net metering is in, say, Florida, for example. Florida has net metering in, so that not only 
is the power company paying you? They're paying you at retail electricity prices for the power that's generated at your home. So what this means is you've got the power generators, sell it to the line system, sell it to, to the residents. And the, the sort of middlemen there pay like a base rate from the actual generators. And this is, this is a, getting into the weeds state is different okay this is a very general this is a very florida thing yeah well this is just a very general thing so what happens is if you pay retail rates under state mandated net metering what's happening is the final price you would pay at home for that electricity is what the the generators and, and just the the system the grid is paying you so in order to set this up so that you you can go ahead and put electricity on the grid. You actually have to modify your home's power system so that you can transmit it back. It's not this thing where you just, you know, plug it in, you can reverse electricity. <laughs> so are, are the there utility, home kits for this thing? Uh, you do not want to do this without <laughs> a professional. So the utilities have to put that in and then they're paying you what you would be paying them for electricity. And so, this is if I have a windmill, if I have the, the solar panel yes. set up, or I don't know, whatever else there might be that I would be producing. Yeah. So ultimately, the the utilities wind up losing money on, on this net metering. And they make up for that by charging higher prices to everyone who's not doing it. So in California, where I know this is a very big thing, mm-hmm. the fact that I live next to you you got solar all over your house you're selling it back to the grid and i'm making you pay and driving up my prices yes wow yes (laughs) that is quite the overall that's how it's done in some states okay in in other states they they do have net metering but you're only getting paid based on a lower rate that they would purchase from the actual power plants so, yeah. Ultimately, money isn't really coming out of anyone's pockets there. They're just sort of moving it around the ledger as it were. Uh, well, you are saving money by, you know, producing so you're not pulling as much in the grid. You are selling it back. I, I guess at the end of the day the power plant is losing a bit of money because there's not as much demand from it. Right. But it, it's kind of a, a different ball game at that point. And we have one more, the cap and trade system. So basically this is a carbon tax on our nation's power plants and, and electricity producers. So there are credits that they must buy from the government in order to produce electricity based on how many metric tons of carbon dioxide they are putting in the atmosphere. So they pay the government for this, uh, the, the credits can go on um, basically a, a rap or not a raffle, sorry, an auction system. And because there is an ultimate limit, the cost of those credits gets passed on to the homeowners or the renters or whoever is ultimately paying the cost. The idea overall that somehow they're purchasing it back and thus driving up the price again 
for the overall consumer, even though the intent so they're, is they're, to make things easier and cleaner? They are paying money to the government to be allowed to produce electricity. And, and you know, there are emissions from producing electricity that they are then sending the electricity to the grid, to the customers, and then charging the customers additional, just additional pricing, higher prices, so that they, they can go ahead and pay the government for the next round of credits. It's a straight up carbon tax. Wow. Yep. Well, I would guess it'd be the fact that most people out there are much like me, where this is the first time I'm hearing anything of this, and they're completely ignorant that this is the sort of chicanery that they're getting away with on this. I mean, this sounds like such an inside baseball thing. It is. And uh, they have just hugely bureaucratic tracking mechanisms. There's just keeping track of each ton of CO2 that gets emitted out of a power plant. It, it's 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 completely nuts. So my electric bill is going up because of the renewables that someone else is selling back to the grid. Mm -hmm. Because these industries are trying to cover their costs for buying money or for buying energy both now and in the future. Mm -hmm. and, and oh, and the best part is if your neighbor isn't doing the renewables, yeah, they are also saying that a certain amount must be renewables anyway. Even, even if it is not economically viable. <laughs> so you are also paying for that. In addition to the fact that- For the fact that not enough people are playing their game. Uh, yeah, basically. But you're also, on, on top of all this, not even accounted for in this, paying for the subsidies for them to have put these, you know, windmills and solar in anyway. <laughs> so, yeah, you're you're basically at the point where you're paying- three or four extra ways every time you've got this trifecta of bad government policy. Now, I, I might be out of bounds here, but it sounds as like every time you hear about some sort of new government energy program that's going to make things better, that's just a guarantee the only thing that's really going to do is punish me. It's going to increase my electrical bill. It's, oh, they, they also make a point to punish the companies, too, that are involved in all of this. Occasionally, they'll go ahead and say, oh, you know, you must do this. And then they'll say, but you're not allowed to actually raise electricity rates either. See, some of these states and some of these folks get it in their heads that, oh, like, we're going to go ahead and just squeeze the corporation. Now, a lot of these, it, these utilities are owned by investors. Right. Who are those investors? Yeah. They are pension systems. They are your retirement accounts. They are... Your vanguards, your yeah. Black Rocks. Every little bit of everybody that's uh, trying to make a little bit of extra money on the stock market. So I, I, I guess that's... What are we up to? A fifth way now that they're going ahead and squeezing you dry? Wow. Yeah. Now that is different in every every state how it works and and again part of the reason this country is wonderful is we are 50 laboratories of democracy but there are 10 that are just doing it wrong it's like wow joe i was a much happier person before we began this interview right. <laughs> you have this effect on me when you're speaking about the energy so 
overall, and it comes down to, as you told us at the beginning there, it's Hawaii and Alaska that have the highest prices overall, mm-hmm. mainly because they're cut off from the lower 48. But, you know, they've got some issues of their own, along with uh, California, Massachusetts, and Rhode Island pulling up the rear once you get down here to the lower 48. And then with Idaho, Wyoming, and Utah. Idaho, Wyoming, and Utah, up there in the uh, the mid to northwest type section. Interesting. They've got it together. Open lands, open plains, a little bit of that high desert air, make things a little bit easier. Energy resources and a bunch of great legislators. Well, that in itself will get you a long way home. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for sharing the idea of this, this report. This is the Alec Energy Affordability Report, third edition. I'm Lars Daleside. This is Joe Trotter. And we'll talk to you again soon.